Thanks for joining us at First Baptist of Woodlawn. Our mission at Woodlawn is to grow, serve, and reach others together. Our vision at Woodlawn is to impact our regional communities with the gospel of Jesus Christ through small groups, corporate worship and missions, and evangelism. Now, today's sermon. Happy Father's Day. We are uh, glad you're here to celebrate the day that uh, all of you, or the fact that all of you are fathers, who are fathers here. Uh, when I was walking in, somebody said, Happy Father's Day to me, and then they said, Happy Father's Day to my two children. I guess you can be the daughter or son of a father and celebrate Father's Day too. I didn't recognize that till this morning. I'm trying to be funny, and you guys are... I just laid an egg. I'm going to stand back and admire it. Okay. All right. Go, if you wouldn't mind, turn with me in your Bibles, the book of Colossians chapter 1. The book of Colossians chapter 1. I made a statement to somebody here in the church this morning that I very rarely preach holiday-type sermons, and then the Lord moved on my heart to preach a, a, a sermon to fathers this morning. So, uh, isn't that good? Uh, I got one guy fired up about it. The rest of y'all are wanting to go home and eat or go to Ryan's or something. I don't know. Don't Let me give you guys a word of advice. Do not take your father to Ryan's on Father's Day. Do something a little different. I'm just going to stick to the Bible this morning. All right. Romans chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. Are you ready for this? Or, or Colossians. Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual, understand, spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. This morning I want to preach to fathers, specifically, but generally to every person who's a believer. Four things fathers should pray for their children. Four things fathers should pray for their children. Let's go to the, word, to the Lord in a word of prayer. Jesus, we love You. We are, we are so blessed that the Redeemer of our souls also is our Father. Lord, that the Creator of the universe is our friend. Lord, that the enemy that we shook our fist against has now reconciled us to Himself. Oh God, thank You for that. Lord, I pray this morning that as we look to see the, the, the wisdom of this passage, Lord, that Paul has for his little children in the faith, Lord, that you would let these four things be something that we put in our hearts and minds to pray for our own children. We ask this in your son's precious name. Amen. This is a men's sermon, so this is going to be short and simple. Amen. 
it's going to be hands-on and practical. And uh, we are, we are, we, we're going to dive into this. You know, um, men are kind of that way. Men, men want, want you to tell them what to do, right, in a short and simple and concise way. Let me give you an example. Uh, and my wife is in the nursery. If I want her to know I've said this, I'll tell her myself. But it's this way for a lot of men and women in relationships. Um, you will ask your wife something that is a yes or no question. Did you get the baloney at the store today? And 15 minutes later, you still don't know whether she got the baloney or not, right? Because she ran into somebody and they talked and then she went over here to the orange juice aisle, but they didn't have the right kind of orange juice. They had the pulp, but not non-pulp. So she had to go talk to the manager and they went in the back and got the pulp. And then they checked out and at the checkout line, it wouldn't take the debit card. So she had to punch it in by number. And then when, he got, when she got to the car, she couldn't get the car open. And you're like, where's the baloney? Men are short and sweet. We want short, sweet, yes and no answers. We, we don't need all the little details. So that's how my sermon is going to be this morning for you guys. Are you all ready for that? Four things you can pray for your children. You know, a lot of times men ask me, what can I do to help my children? Brothers, I want you to understand this morning that that even though this culture emasculates men, in any sitcom you see, the dad is looked at as the dummy of the family. He's looked at as the idiot of the tribe. It's true. The culture thinks that about dad. All he does is he's just a strong back and a weak mind that helps make money to pay the bill so mama can run the house. That's what culture thinks about dads. But do you know that the Bible sets you up in such a completely different idea of what manhood and husbandship and fathership is? The Bible says that, that, that under God, you are the next leader and authority in your home. And then, if that's the case, some of you want to know, what can I do to help my children to be a better father for them? I want you to understand that, that God has given you the ultimate weapon. The ultimate weapon. And it's not a Bible study, and it's not some little, uh, you know, cliche thing that you buy at the Lifeway bookstore to help your family in their spiritual walk, but it's this. It's that He's given you access to His throne to come to Him in prayer and talk to the Creator of heaven on behalf of your family. You can actually go to the one who, who spoke the world into existence. Did you, did, did you guys ever be working on something out in the shop and you didn't have the right tool? Come on, say amen. How frustrating is that on 1 to 10? Could you, 11, somebody said. Could, could you imagine men being able to go inch and a sixteenths Box and wrench. There it is. Joy. Oh, joy in the morning. Because you know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to stop. You're going to have to go tractor supply, and they don't have it because some jerk right before you bought the last one. 
Then you're going to go to Lowe's, and you know you can't get any help in there. And then, and then you got to go to Napa and O'Reilly. Well, we don't. Did they even make an inch and sixteenth inch wrench? You want an inch and sixteenth inch wrench at O'Reilly's? You have to tell them what model vehicle you drive. You do, don't you? And, and so, but think about it, be able to create that. That's that, that God that has that kind of power. You have direct access to. And more than that, God has ordained it that you are the head of the family and He has opened up the throne room of heaven for you so that you can come and intercede to the one who has the power for everything on behalf of those whom He's put you in authority over, which is your wife and children. God did not leave you, fathers, powerless or helpless when it comes to being the spiritual leader of your home. As a matter of fact, he gave you access to the big gun, to the big sword, to the big bat. You can go out and swing a big bat spiritually if you'll just learn to come to Him in prayer. So how do you pray for your family? Well, in the, in the first chapter of Colossians, we find that the Apostle Paul is praying for a group of believers at home, and there's four things, or, or at Colossae, and there are four major things in these next two verses, verses 9 and 10 that I find, that I think it would do us well as fathers to pray not only for our children, but for our spouses as well. Are y'all with me? Y'all want to know what the first thing is? Hey, Brother Derek, I'm, I'm doing something on the fly here. Would you? I didn't think about it. Would you type these out and put them on the screen for me? I know you don't have them, but just when I say them, okay? Listen, here's the first one. To be filled with the knowledge of His will. To be filled with the knowledge of His will. You can pray for your children to be filled with the knowledge of His will. I'm saying that over and over again so you get it and you can write it down. To be filled with the knowledge of His will. Now, at first, that seems to be something a little different than what the text actually means by that, okay? So let, let, me, let me just read this text to you. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Let me just go over three words here. Filled, knowledge, and will. The first one is this. The word filled means to be fully supplied. To be fully supplied. Okay? Um, let, 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 let me give a man illustration here. Y'all ready for this? On the day that America is invaded, what do men want to be? They want to be fully supplied. That means they want to have plenty of 9mm ammo. They want to have plenty of 223 rounds. They want to have plenty of AR-15s. They want to be fully supplied so as to what? Protect their family. To protect their property. To protect their country. They want to be fully supplied. Stocked to the brim. It's the reason, it's, it's when you go to Buckeyes and you go in the back, and they've got extra 22 ammo, and you, you've, already got, you've, already, you've already got 10,000 rounds. 
or am I the only one? No, somebody said no, amen. Well, you need to buy, buy, buy another brick, right? Well, your wife says, well, that's another $50. And I say, honey, I said, listen, we got to get it now because I remember when I was selling guns, it was, it, you could buy a brick of 500 for like $7.99, and it's $50 now, and if we wait till Christmas, it's going to be 100 Let's just go ahead and get them now, right? You want to be fully supplied. Why? Because there's comfort in being fully supplied. Now, so the next word is knowledge. What are we to be fully supplied of? What are we to pray that our children are to be fully supplied of? This word knowledge here, it expresses more than just knowing. It expresses more than just, just a, 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 a absorption of the facts. It's the idea that, that what you have is a participation between the supplier, which is God, and the participant, which is hopefully your children. So you're playing that they would be fully supplied, but that their supply would come in a way in which they were interacting with the God of the Bible. Does that make sense? In other words, it's not that they need to go down to Walmart and buy their ammo or just to any old Joe, but you want a specific ammo supplier. You want them to buy from the best. You don't want them to buy none of those cheap lead-nosed rounds. You want the copper-plated ones that don't mess your rifling up, right? You, some of you are like, I don't have any idea what he's talking about. Some of you are like, I'm getting this. So, so you want... The supply in which they are filled with knowledge and understanding to come from a specific place. And that specific place is God. And, and when this happens, it increases spiritual blessings upon them and determines how their religious life bears fruit. And then the last word here is, is will. And this is, where, this is where it gets a little tricky, Okay. Because when it says here that, that your prayer ought to be that your children be filled or supplied with the knowledge of God and a relationship with Him or through a relationship with Him, many of us think that what that means is, is that you pray that they would know God's will for their life through a relationship with Him. You know, so you, you might automatically or instantly think that this is dealing with the idea that they should know God's will for their life. Let's read that again. That's not what it says. That you may be filled with the knowledge of whose will? His will. So this isn't dealing with the idea that, that they would walk with God in such a way that they would know what they're supposed to do for their life, but in other words, that they're supposed to walk with God in such an intimate manner and be supplied and filled that they know what God's will for His life is. That they know what God's will for God is. Now think about that for a second. Well, this word will, particularly when coupled with this idea of God, it means it denotes that his gracious disposition 
towards something. It, it is used to designate that God Himself does what is His own good pleasure. In other words, what Paul's prayer for these people is, is not that they would come to know God and be filled with Him so that they would know what He had in store for them, but that they would know who God is and what His will was. So what's the will of God? What is God's will for Himself? Well, it is to, first of all, be known and glorified. And secondly, it is to, through, to in order to be known and glorified, to be done that done through the redemption of His people. So in other words, here's what Paul is praying, is that everybody would learn the goodness and graciousness of God as it is disposed upon us. In other words, that God's a good God and that He loves us and that He's given everything for us. To know that, that everything that He does is for His good pleasure. So if He saved you, if He's walking with you, if He's blessing you, He's doing it not only just for you, but for Him as well. Wow! Isn't that an amazing thing that, that we find that Paul prays? is that we serve a God who takes pleasure in getting glory from Himself, but He does it through using us. Wow. So how can you pray for your children? First thing is this, real simple. Pray that they will come to understand the knowledge and be filled with the knowledge of His will. Another way you could put this, you could put it like this. Pray that they will become doctrinally deep. You know, there are a lot of people who, I said it's going to be simple, but men, we run rabbits too, right? I mean, you, you sit in a conversation with some, old, some older gentlemen at a restaurant and they talk about everything. Here we go, talking to you guys. Do you know that there are a lot of people who, who will say stuff like this? Make statements like this. I, I don't like theology or doctrine. Just give me Jesus. And here's what they're really saying. I, I, I want to have an emotional relationship with Christ. I, I want to be led by Him. I want His attributes. I want, I, I want His blessings. I, I want to feel good when I know Him. But, but I really don't want to learn Him. Here, here, here's what I, I want to respond to. Okay, my response to that is simply, you can't know Christ in his fullness until you know him doctrinally or theologically. You, you, you hear that? And until you get to the point to where you start to understand who God is, you, you really can't go to the next level in that deep doctrinal relationship or that deep emotional relationship you want to have with him. Let me give you an example. It's just like your wife. You got married, and man, you thought she could do no wrong. And then, and please, 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 husbands or wives, don't kill me. But then a week later, you woke up and she had morning breath. And you realized, I didn't know this about her. But then you learned to love her even more. Even through all the things that you discovered about your wife, that's what caused you, husbands, to love her 
deeper and more emotionally. And for somebody to say, well, I just want my kids to have a, have a really good relationship with, with, with Jesus and, and walk in Him, but, but I, I really don't know that they need to know the deep doctrinal things. I don't know that they need to know about, uh, about total depravity. I don't think they need to know about uh, Pelagianism versus Arminianism versus Calvinism. I don't really know that they need to know uh, different, different uh, theological stuff like the transcendence and the eminence of God and all those deep theological things because even I don't understand those. Can I tell you, you're missing out. God, Paul's prayer here is that you would know God for who He is. And you can't know Him unless you study Him. Unless you take the Word of God and writings of men who have given their life and devoted every ounce of their being to, to writing down on paper things that they know about God. So here's what I want you to do. When you pray, pray that, that your children would know God in a sufficiently doctrinal way. Sufficiently doctrinal way. Second thing is this. You should pray that your children would live a holy life. Live a holy life. Listen to, listen to what the text says. Verse 10. So that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. That, that word worthy literally means to be aligned with God's expectations, values, principles, and worth. And then it goes on to say, in fully pleasing Him, it's, it literally means to make God happy. To, to walk in such a way that is aligned with the, with the values of God that He sets forth because of who He is, and in doing so, you make God happy happy. Now, two things. First thing is this. Verse 10 is connected with verse 9. You can never live holy until you understand God doctrinally. The more you understand the Lord, the more able you are to walk holy. Those two are connected if you look at the syntax of the, of the verse. The second thing is this, is that to live holy just simply means to live the way God would want your children to live. Guys, that's not a hard prayer to pray. That your children would live holy. Can I be honest with, with, with you as a congregation this morning? There are a lot of parents, and I'm not just talking about here, but I'm just talking about all across the board who have children who, who they bring to church on Sunday and the parents think that they've done their due diligence as parents for their spiritual development and then on Monday their children go to school and act like heathens. Uh, we, we have a uh, we, we have a member of our staff, Brother Dustin Hale, and I'm going to pick, draw him out a little bit here, okay? Brother Dustin was a, uh, how long were you at, at, at McLeansboro? She was at McLeansboro as a teacher for 11 years, and one of the things he said is, he's told me multiple times, is, is I have seen children who were on the youth group on Sunday, and then the walk that they had throughout the week at school was horrible and did not match up. 
Your children are facing things today that you can't even imagine. Do you, do you realize, I'm going to say, say a couple things, and I, I don't want this to be ugly towards any particular group of people, but, but just listen to me, okay? Do you realize that your children are the first generation of children that have grown up in a culture where homosexuality was accepted as a cultural norm, and, and not just accepted, but celebrated as a cultural normative. None of you grew up in a time like that. Do you realize that sometimes whenever we have questions with our teens at church about homosexuality, uh, things are uh, people are surprised. I'm not surprised. Why? Because they don't, they don't know anything different culturally. Guys, th th there, there is more, there's more sexuality on Nickelodeon than there was when I was growing up on HBO. I'm just saying. That we, our children are growing up in a world that is absolutely, completely, culturally different from the Mayberry that we grew up in. It's bad. Matter of fact, I believe we are almost to the point to where we are starting to, to get to the precipice of being where Rome was. They, they are going to face immoralities that, that we've never faced before. Do, do, do you recognize that in, our, that in our culture, fathers, it's already been put to the court system for throuples to be married? Does anybody know what throuples are? That, that's when three people want to enter into a marriage covenant, all married to one another. Does that surprise anybody? It's going to be normative before too long. And not just in the realm of marriage and sexuality do we have children who are being raised in a completely different culture, uh, but, but things such as patriotism. People question that. A new generation questions that. Why? They, they just do. Your children are growing up in a, in a vastly more immoral culture than you can even recognize. So no wonder they're being exposed to things you can't imagine. So no wonder children act like they do Monday through Friday at the school. Dads, you ought to be praying that God would make your children holy. And what holy means is literally to be set apart, to be sanctified, to be removed from that, to keep them away from those things, to keep their minds pure, to keep their hearts pure, to keep their worldview in line with that of the Bible, to let them be holy. You know... Guys, we're, we're all adults here. Most of us are. But um, 15 years ago when we talked about keeping our children holy, we just talked, we were thinking about sexual purity. But it's much more than that now in our culture. Keeping a biblical worldview, keeping a, 
a, a mind that is Christ-centered and Christ-focused. You need to be praying that your children would be holy and that they would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Think about that. Think about how different that is than the culture that they're being raised in. Think about what following Jesus looks like. It is, it is countercultural to walk with God. It is countercultural to walk with Jesus. So when you pray this, you're not just praying to keep them pure in a few areas of your life, of their life. You're, you're actually praying that God would separate them and set them apart from the culture for which they've been pushed into. That God would make them holy. Fathers, here, here's the, I told you it's going to be short. We're going to pray that they'd be doctrinally sound, that they would live holy. Here's this. Fathers, you can pray that your children will impact this culture and this world through the kingdom of God and being a participant in it. Listen to what he says. Listen to what he says. So that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every Good work. That, that your children would bear fruit in every good work that they do. In other words, that they would impact this world for Christ. Two weeks ago, we took 15 students to camp. Uh, high schoolers, middle schoolers. And uh, I posted a picture on Facebook. There was a there was a couple of them that were sitting out, reading their Bible, studying, taking some time alone, and, and doing their talk time, time alone with God. One of the things that the Lord struck on my heart is, what could God do with 15 young people who, who really were separated from the world, who really did love Christ, who really were bold and unashamed, and, and they, they were set out into the world? Could they really make an impact? Could they really make a difference? Boy, the answer is yes. The answer is yes. I want you to re realize that, that, fathers, we've got a lot of students here who are in the, the high school age range and the middle school age range. We, we've got unbelievable amounts of students, fifth grade and under. Do you know that in our three- to five-year-old classroom, the last few weeks we've been running 17 in a room that's built for eight Thank you if you're helping in that room. The Bible says that children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. And as we pray for them to be used of the kingdom, we are praying that we will shoot them out into the next generation, that they might change the culture that's coming beyond us. One of these days, you're going to die, and you're going to be in the ground, and you're going to be worm food, but your children are still going to be alive, affecting the next generation that comes along. We ought to be praying that, that God uses our children, that He raises them up, not just to be factory workers, not just to be doctors or lawyers, which there would be nothing wrong with either one of those things, but we ought to be praying that spiritually they'll be used of the kingdom 
that there'll be a factory worker that is unashamedly going to share Christ amongst those people that he works with. That they will be a doctor who uses his skills and his education for the glory of the kingdom. We ought to be praying that God would do a unique work in First Baptist Church of Woodlawn, Illinois. And he would raise up preachers and missionaries and pastors' wives and women who want to go on mission for the kingdom of God. You know, I just believe when God's moving in a place and when He's alive, one of the signs of health and vitality is that He is calling people out to go into the kingdom. Fathers, that's going to start with you. Let me ask you this question, fathers. Listen, I don't want to kick you while you're down. But is is your greatest prayer for your son or your daughter to have stable financial life and longevity? Or is it to be used as a king, as a weapon in the hand of God to fight back darkness? I love my son. I love my daughter. There's nothing I want more for them to be happy and be married and have children and let Papa. I hope that's what they call me. Let Papa play with the kids because they live right beside me. That's what I want. That's not what they want. But here's what I know. A hundred years after Haddon and Emma are dead, nobody will know who they are. So God, if you want to send my son... a Muslim nation where I know that he has a chance to be martyred for his faith I will gladly do everything that I can to see that he gets there and walk him to the border and as he is walking across into the border I will say son this is what I have prayed for that you would be used mightily as a weapon in the hand of God. And although my heart aches and I don't want to see you go through trials, you go and spread the gospel. Because it's far better to die for the kingdom of God than to sit on your laurels for 50 years in America and do nothing. Oh, I'll weep. My soul will ache, but in my heart of hearts, I'll know that that is what God has done. Oh, that God would call fathers to pray for their children. That they would be used mightily in the kingdom of God. Let all other things be counted as rubbish. Would you pray for your children in that way? The last thing is this. Is pray that they would know God in an intimate, personal way. The last thing he says in verse 10 is this, is that they would increase in the knowledge of God. That that word is epigenosis. It's, it's, It's the idea that 
there is a more intimate, personal relationship with, with, with Jesus, with God. You know, we have a lot of people who say things like, well, I just don't know God, or I, I can't feel Him. I want you to understand something. What Paul is saying is very clear and very specific here. He wants these people at Colossae to know God on an intimate level. To walk with Him. And talk with Him. Dads, four things you can pray right here for your children. Practical, applicable. But, but I, want, I want to mention one thing. A couple of weeks ago, I was uh, out in the yard. And have you ever been out in the yard and got a rock in your shoe? And when you step on it, you kind of get a stone bruise. Well, I did that. And I'm walking around the yard like this. I kind of look like a pirate or something. I don't know. I'm walking around the yard, brother. Probably my neighbors thought I was an idiot. But that's okay. I'm walking around the yard. I'm doing my stuff. Putting some things away. And there's my boy right behind me. And you know what he's doing? <laughs> Why? He wants to be like Dad. Dad, fathers, don't sit back and pray this for your sons and your daughters if you're not willing to practice it in front of them. If you're not willing to walk holy out of this world, if you're not willing to seek a personal intense relationship with God, if you're not willing to study and become doctrinal, if you're not willing to give your life to the cause of Christ, don't pray this. Because all your kids will see is a hypocrite. Do you know why I think the Apostle Paul could pray these things for his church? Because he was doing them. And he knew what that life looked like. And he knew what the impact of it was in his life. And here's what he's saying. I want for you what I've experienced. Two things are going to happen here this morning. You're going to walk out of here and you're not going to do this because... You've not experienced it, and you don't know its true blessing and power on your life. Are you going to walk out of here and you're going to try to do this? Then you're going to fail because you're not willing to commit to it. But the father who's willing to be these things and pray for his children will see fruit in their lives. Dads, are you willing to commit to that? Four things. It's pretty easy. I mean... Even if your wife didn't write it down on a list, you could remember four things at the store, right? You could remember these.
Let's all stand. Every head bow, every eye closed. Come to time of response. Ask our musicians to come. Let me ask you something this morning, fathers. Are you living that way? I don't want to beat you up. Just ask the question. Are you living that way? Are you giving you all to Christ? Are you studying the doctrines of Scripture? Are you willing to go and do whatever He calls? Are you living holy? Do you want your children to do that? This is very practical. Won't you just commit this morning and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to start praying for my children. And here's how I'm going to pray for them for these four things. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like to know more about our relationship with Jesus or more about our church at Woodlawn, please contact us by email at info at fbcwoodlawn.org. Please join us again next week for another sermon from First Baptist of Woodlawn. Jesus be